0: Oh
1: You're listening to CITR FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, necking, brand new necking with Habo. Hotel and Nicking are actually playing tonight a record release show tonight with Emily Toyota, security guard, Bedwetters Anonymous at the Red Gate tonight for 10 bucks. It's all ages and a bar with ID. Nicking, brand new from Nicking, Habo Hotel out today. On Mint Records. Actually, it was out last week on Mint Records, but that was Habo Hotel by Necking. And Necking again are playing tonight at the Redgate in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Today on the Nardware to Human Serviette radio show, an interview with Nori. Nori, originally from Queens. But now we're signing in Miami, Florida. And speaking of habo hotels, et cetera, who
2: do we have in the studio
1: right now?
2: Hi, Nardwar. My name is Leora Kornfeld. And guess what? You know what? Among other things, this, I'm tapping right here, this used to be... The shift that I used to do in the nineteen eighties at CITR. Like you you took over my shift. Thank you,
1: Leora Kornfeld, for coming to the brand new CITR Radio 2015 to deliver some Miami info and also have a hotel.
2: Nick and we're singing about, singing about the Hubble Hotel. What was a Hubble Hotel? It was, I remember it was one of the first kind of immersive environments on the internet before Second Life, where you could have these little avatars, sort of like The Sims, and you could put them in a hotel. Did you ever see it or play with it? I remember going to the MTV website, and it was there on the MTV website. And I did check Google, and it's still going today. I didn't know that the Habo Hotel is still going? It is. It's still going. What about Second Life? I'm uh, not uh, but Remember how that was really big and then wasn't? Friendster as well. Friendster's still big in the Philippines, I think, or Thailand. And Friendster actually helped Mars Sellers link
1: up with Franz Ferdinand. And Franz Ferdinand agreed to do a gig with my band, the Evaporators, all through Friendster. It happened through Friendster. And that's how
2: you almost met David Bowie and Lou Reed. In 2005. And you,
1: Leora Kornfeld, have a hotel, thanks for info, but people are wondering, who the hell are you? Aside from doing a show on CITR, you're an answer to a crossword puzzle.
2: I think it was 27 down in uh, the National Post in 2009, and really, you don't, you don't need many other accomplishments apart from that. Although, I mean, that I think was possibly my greatest accomplishment, being a crossword what puzzle. Was who, but- what was the question? What was the question? It had something to do with host of CBC blank something with my name. It's just, let me put it this way. I think there were a lot of empty squares that week in the crossword Baboon, But it's pretty impressive to be having a crossword named after you. Well, that I thought was my greatest achievement in life until I did something. And we're going to be talking about this. I know maybe I'm jumping the gun and jumping the shark here, but I, I'm i responsible for something on the Internet thanks to you, that was viewed how many times, that meme? Probably at least a million or more. No, more than that, more. (laughs) Like five million? Yeah, like five. I, I, yeah. It's like, still going today. It's still going like right now. And how can people find it? Well, actually, it was actually recorded when I did an interview with Trippy
1: Red in Miami, Florida. In Miami, Florida. And you were doing B cam of the interview. Yeah. But he was shaking
2: the floor. And he was looking at me. So he was looking right at my camera. And that's the one that became the meme. And I guess if you search Trippy Red jumping, you'll find it.
1: But I love the shaking of the floor. You were like shaking when he was jumping, right? It was great. And I thought, oh my goodness, the shot is ruined but it kind of made the shot, didn't it? It was an instant meme. It's an instant hit. So you were a crossword answer as well, Leora. Yeah. But aside from the meme, you were also a knower of the guy that invented YouTube comments. Speaking of interviews, Ah. etc. You actually met the guy? I
2: met this guy. Please
1: explain. Okay,
2: this is when I was Living in Boston.
1: Because this is kind of important, isn't it?
2: Like, people might be listening, like, who cares? But this is the actual guy. This is the actual guy. And he was, like, employee number eight or something at YouTube. And he had worked at PayPal before that. Um, his name is Hong Q. Really, really nice guy. And right now he's he's working at the, uh, what did he say? Something to do with, like, the, the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard. Really, really interesting work. Um, and He had this idea to, like, add, we're going to roll out features. We're going to add new features to YouTube. Okay, what about not just videos and not just tagging videos? What about letting people comment on videos? Now, was that unique? It was totally unique. You remember what that was like. Nobody did that before. What's Vimo before YouTube? Vimeo. Vimeo. Um, I think it was, but it did not have comments. And this guy actually decided to have comments on YouTube. He basically unleashed the black bile of the world psyche. And now we have endless entertainment. If you've ever spent any time with YouTube comments, and if you haven't, I encourage you to spend a lot of time with YouTube comments. Because you really, if you really want to know what people are like, spend time in the YouTube comments. How did he volunteer this information? Like, how did you find out? Because I went for <laughs> lunch with him. You know Why? because he wrote a story that analyzed uh, internet media coverage during the Boston Marathon bombing, which happened when I was there. And I think I saw that. And then we met either through Twitter or something, because I was involved doing research at the university too. And then we had lunch and then it came out that he had worked at YouTube. And then he said, yeah, it's sort of something he's more embarrassed of than proud of, because you know what happens in YouTube comments. it's not it's not the better side of humanity,
1: but you met the actual guy. Yes,
2: so you were qualified
1: to talk about Habo Hotel as well as computers because you mentioned real time. you helped real time get on the internet, didn't you? Like physically? That was you the... picked up a thirty five buck accessory? What? Didn't you pick up something worth $35 and it turned real time into an internet juggernaut? You mean the C- you're talking about the CBC yeah. show that I
2: did. Okay, what's the $35 part? I I don't know.
1: I thought you bought something worth 35 bucks.
2: No, but I remember getting an email from somebody cuz we actually probably spent more money than we care to talk about being one of the first Possibly the first radio show to stream on the internet around the world and to do live chat using something called IRC, Internet Relay Chat. And at that time, of course, this is pre-broadband, but most of the people who had internet access at all were at universities, right? They had it through their university um they had their email addresses and they had access through universities and then i remember once we got an email saying like thank you cbc for turning my 4000 computer 4000 dollar computer into sounding like a shitty 4 dollar radio a ba- boom, Tyler Bom. But yeah. early,
1: early on the internet. And people have preserved that. Like if people go searching on the internet, people can find remnants of the early internet yeah. of the show. On YouTube and stuff like that, yes. And you also knew a lot about kind of Bill Gates. And when I interviewed Kendrick Lamar Kendrick, yeah you yes. told me that I should mention
2: a Kendrick. I don't know why, but Bill Gates jumping over a chair. You can jump over a chair from a standing start. But yeah, why did we think that would be a good thing to ask Kendrick? Maybe because Kendrick kind of certain... segued into the Bono. did yeah.
1: Bono sleep over at Bill Gates' house? He did. He did. And then later, Kendrick collaborated with
2: Bono. So a bit of psychicness on your part. But I think that I think you got credited with bringing it all together. I think again, the people of the internet credited you with bringing that union together. But you
1: told me the story, Mm. and what's pretty amazing is, like, Kendrick Lamar said, oh, I'd never associate with Bono, and here a couple years later, he's with Bono. And kind of ties back to Bill Gates. And when I think of Bill Gates, I think of computers. You know, he is a very rich man, isn't he?
2: Who were the original starters of Microsoft? It would be uh, Bill Gates and Paul Allen, the late Paul Allen. He was the guy who had the bands. Remember Paul Allen? And he did the Hendrix Museum and stuff like that. He was more of the – he was the rocker of the two of them.
1: And the weird thing is the legacy that they have left – is amazing. Well, I don't know if it's weird because a lot of people are inspired by those people, but the legacy that they have left, what right now, how does this clip right now play into what we are talking about today on the Nard War, a Human Serviette radio show, coming up an interview with Nori, who lives in Miami. What is the significance of the tie in between Miami and this computer clip, Apple 1984, which is completely different from Microsoft.
0: On January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh, and you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984.
2: That is Bill's competitor. That was a... Now it's It's replaying. And... Please, okay, now, now that that was a, a very famous ad. I think, didn't Ridley Scott direct that, the Blade Runner guy? I just played the end of it. I you just, just played, played the end, end of yeah. it, yes. But
1: it looked very Ridley Scottian, didn't it?
2: I think it was a Ridley Scott, but the idea was that it was a complete diss, a total takedown of everything. Oh, now we're still looking at it on the screen here. Yes, it's very, very, very Ridley Scottian. The woman's running, and she's got the big hammer, and then she's going to, yeah. All of that stuff. Um, So we want to tie this back to Miami. Because who samples the recording that we just played right now? Everybody's favorite fidget spinning rapper. Now, to those of you listening, I don't know if you remember, was it like two years ago or so? There was this kid who was like, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old. He kind of had a breakout hit. In the rap world, and it was about, was it called Fidget Spinners? It was I about think so, spinners. but you noticed his hair more than a fidget spinner, or did he notice the fidget spinner and then the hair? Well, I noticed how young he was at that time, and he was a really, really cute little kid, and he, and he had some good flow going on, too. I think Did I use that right? He had some good flow. He had some good flow going on, but then... What's the Miami connection to him? He was in Miami, Florida at Rolling Loud. We were, I don't think we've talked about the fact that we were at Rolling Loud. I was there doing B-cam. I was the, I was the great B-cam person behind the great man that, that you are. And we were lucky enough to be in. And you were also the meme capturer. I did capture some memes, that's true, and we ran into this kid and his mother, and here's what's amazing, his mom looked about 22, wouldn't you say? She looked like she was in her 20s. I think she's retired, right? I read something about her that she's retired, that she's made so much money off of her son who is now, I think he's 14, his name is Matt Ox, but not only that, his hair, which was it was good before, but his hair is like, it's gone off the charts. It's gone to a place where I don't even, I don't even have a word for how good his hair is, just Google... Matt Ox. Take a look in Google Images. That is some incredible hair. We ran into him. We got, um, in fact, there's a recap video of you. What's it called? Just like Nardwar versus Rolling Loud. And in the middle of that, you can there's a little moment of you with Matt Ox.
1: So what was it like seeing Matt Ox in person? Because you know a lot about hair conditioners. You tried to get some hair conditioner at Winn-Dixie, right? I
2: did. Win dixie is the... Uh... What Win Winn-Dixie? First of all, Win dixie is a great name. But it's one of the big uh, grocery stores in, I guess, in the American South. The Dixie is, I don't know, like Dixie. Anything in the South is Dixie. So Win dixie is the big grocery store that we went to. And I was looking for some hair conditioner, but I didn't find it. But you couldn't find it, but you know good hair. And Matt had amazing hair. Extraordinary
1: hair. At Rolling Loud. Can you set the scene for Rolling Loud? Like, what is Rolling
2: Loud? It's in a stadium, but not really. Well, we got confused. It it said at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, and that's where the Dolphins play, right? So we thought we were going to be in the stadium when, in fact, we were in the area around the stadium. So we, we thought the gig was actually happening in the stadium when but, we were there. Yeah, but that's a reasonable
1: conclusion to draw, don't you think? But I didn't realize that... The actual event was on the
2: actual grounds. Yeah, so it was uh, it was sold out, right? And it was seventy thousand people. What would you say? Headlined by Travis Scott, yes. who rumored
1: got one million dollars for headlining. But you scanned the
2: bill, and there was tons of rappers. But one name stuck out for you. One name really stood out. Well, can you reel off some of the other names? Because there were some big names there we had, uh Migos, Cardi B, Young Thug. Travis Scott, Travis as I mentioned, Scott. Little Uzi. Vert, oh, Little Uzi, of course. Megan the Stallion. Stallion. Everybody in the rap world was yeah. there. Like it was every three. This days. is the biggest hip hop festival in the world. It's a three day thing. And NBA YoungBoy. Oh yeah, who was involved in the shooting? Oh, that's right. That. That shooting happened, and I was actually scheduled we to
1: do an interview with him. But his publicist was so good that she contacted me and told him after the shooting, told me after the shooting that he wouldn't be able to do the interview. Like well, it, was, it was quite was that, polite, yeah, very, very polite. So it was a gigantic, gigantic line
2: of people. But what name stood out to you? Three words: big, baby, scumbag because that's like one of those names it's like what? what is this guy what does this mean and then we happened to run into him well, could you? why did we run into him there was a huge backstage could you also
1: describe the backstage because there's a stadium and then the backstage is like bigger than the usual concert actually in Vancouver in the actual general area isn't it the
2: backstage area I couldn't believe that was back, the backstage area because it felt like an entire city unto itself where they had like multiple beer gardens and uh, food trucks and trailers and media, and those, a lot of people in those golf carts. But somehow, I think Big Baby Scumbag recognized you. Is that what happened? There was a lot of recognizing of you going on in that area. Well, we are waiting for some of the celebrities,
1: some of the rappers, yeah. like Young Thug, because we aren't allowed in his dressing room, his area, but we are waiting on the concrete. We called it the concrete carpet. Outside of the dressing room yeah. for young thugs. So we were sitting there for hours waiting. Wow. And who should be by but? Big baby scumbag. Big baby scumbag. Amazing. So we actually encountered Big Baby Scumbag, the one name that you actually noticed from all the lineup. You want to see two people: Big Baby Scumbag and, Matt Ox.
2: and the Higher Brothers. Oh, and the Higher Brothers. From Chengdu, and we got to see them. And you got to see both of them. And, and also, I did want to see Maddox, I did. And Migos, too. Oh, Migos. I didn't see Migos, but and, I got to see their manager, Coach K. And you liked, actually,
1: little Yachty saying little boat. Boat. You yes. like that. You heard him say boat. A lot of boat. But here's a backstage area. Out of the blue, big ba- big baby scumbag arrives. We're waiting for young thug. I got the interview with Young Thug by actually running up to Young Thug and actually saying, Would you do an interview with me? And he took me backstage as well as you and the cameraman as well. We went backstage. We didn't have access. Young Thug didn't even know me, but he allowed me backstage. Thank you, Young Thug. I think he may have known you. I don't think he knew me. Really? Because I, remember was a, could you describe like Young Thug going backstage?
2: Well, he, the guy has a complete
1: entourage
2: with him. So he's right? I mean, running just... up to a checkpoint, checkpoint yeah. Charlie, and I'm going,
1: H-h-h-h-h-h-h-h-h! and he's like, oh, come with me. Can you bring two other people? Can I bring two other people? And and the next thing you know, the interview happened with Young Thug. The interview went exceptionally well, I thought, because he didn't have a lot of time to do the interview. But one of the items you had actually procured in uh, in New York, and No, no, it was Boston. It was Boston Boston. at
2: the Museum of Fine Arts, uh, known locally as the MFA. And I had been there a couple of weeks earlier, and they had an exhibit on gender bending fashion through the centuries and on the cover of the program was the what would you call that thing dress. that he wore the dress but it's this very sort of ripply it almost looks like a cake it's this very flowy ripply dress that young thug wore on the cover of what one of his records like yeah so he made the cover of the program of the Boston Museum of Fine Arts exhibit on gender bending fashion and I Took it for you because I thought, oh, this is going to be good for you to use one day. And he seemed really interested when you presented that to him. You can see this all on YouTube, by the way.
1: Also, you brought down some shit emoji
2: shampoo. No, it was a bubble bath. But a bubble bath. What was that? And who was that for? Well, we didn't really know what it would be for, but that's something I picked up at a dollar store. Like there's dollar store goods. But then if you're at the right kind of dollar store, they have the stuff sort of on a random shelf, things that there's maybe one or two left that they just can't get rid of that they wanted to clear out. And one of the items I saw there was poop emoji bubble bath. So let's think about this for a second. Think of all the decisions and all the decision trees that have to get worked through in order for the poop emoji bubble bath to get manufactured and marketed. And somebody thought, this is a great idea. Was it exclusively at the dollar store? I don't know. There was only like a lone bottle of it there. So I saw it and I picked that up and I knew at some point it would come in handy. And then we found the exact right moment and the exact right person to give that to. The person that knows the internet better than anybody. Better than anyone. Little. Nods.
1: X. But also... When I interviewed him, you had given me a belt buckle years ago. That's what right. is the history of the belt buckle? It was like a Calgary belt buckle.
2: Yeah, because like and I know was at a, a conference there and they received, and I don't think it was received, or I don't think it was intended to be a joke, but it could only be read as a joke. Just like your basic, tacky, Calgary stampede belt buckle with cowboys and horses and all that kind of stuff, and because little, little Nas X is what, the greatest country star to emerge since Billy Ray Cyrus? Baboom, yes, yeah. exactly. Right, he's just 14 like he- weeks at number one. Nobody's done that, no- right? Not I- even I- your th- friend Drake. I
1: think Mariah Carey... Oh, did she? ...might have done it, but he's almost at the record.
2: Yeah, and he still may break that record. He's the
1: number one hip-hop artist to do that.
2: Yeah, well, he's broken a lot of records, and, uh, you know, he's the country guy, so we thought we're coming from Canada, and the closest thing Canada has to that country kind of scene is Calgary in the Stampede. And and then what happened? We did an interview with Little Nas X, and he loved that. And he is coming to Calgary, apparently. To play the Stampede, which I think is happening. Isn't it happening, like, right Maybe, now? Or did he, it happen I, already?
1: Did he actually... I know there was, unfortunately, some deaths of horses at the Stampede. So I'm not sure if I think there's all... Little sadly, Ma's I think there's always deaths. deaths of horses at the Stampede. I think they're banned forever, having horses... But is he playing at the Stampede? I hope so. I think he it, is. It completes the story completely. Yes. But in other words, you picked up the little Nas X belt buckle, Calgary. We had the shit emoji. We had the young thug program guide from mm. Boston. We were ready for some interviews. And then we run into big baby scumbag and Coach K, the manager. Of Vagos! Because he was on a, a, a special little wheelie. But one person we didn't run into was Macklemore. Where was Macklemore? He wasn't on. The, was he on the bill? I don't think so. But you well, know, that's he, why he
2: wasn't there. Babo, But in general, <laughs> he hasn't really been around, has he? I think he's. I think he's having kids. I think he's raising his family and enjoying his life. But you love the fact that Macklemore was broke by Bon Appetit magazine.
1: What's you, a relationship between Macklemore and Bon Appetit? What
2: is Bon Appetit
1: ma- magazine? Oh, but
2: it's, a, it's a gourmet foodie magazine. I think I think what I like about that is that you can't get more mainstream and kind of middle-aged woman than Bon Appetit magazine. So if Macklemore got... Some uh, column space, I think that's the industry term, in Bon Appetit magazine, whenever that was, in 2013, when he was on Top of the World. That is an indication of just how mainstream he became. And I think the same thing with Little Nas X right now. Like, what's an example of how mainstream Little Nas X is?
1: In the paper, in the province, or in the
2: sun? I was in the distillery district in Toronto last week. The yodeling kid covering him. Yeah. Or like, you know, buskers, buskers in tourist areas are doing his song. Little X provided to me
1: on a platter. Well, actually, he walked up to me. Well, actually, we walked up because we we're on
2: the concrete carpet. Let's tell the real story. We were looking for him, but we didn't really know what he looked like outside of his cowboy gear. And then somebody yelled. Who was I can't remember who somebody goes. "There's But it was just like a guy standing there in everyday clothes. And you're not going to I know you're you're very humble. But he then noticed you. And he was like, man, I've been looking for you. It's like, you're like, do you want to do an interview? He goes, yeah, let me just go get my cowboy gear on. And that was it. And we are back at the trailer where you helped create
1: the trippy meme. The trippy. Same trailer. But also in that concrete carpet backstage area, we ran into Mama Cuff. I love Mama
2: Cuff. Now, who is Mama Cuff? Mama Cuff uh, is the mom reacts to dot, dot, dot. And she reacts to rapper vids. What's the classic one? Well, the first vid that she reacted to was a rapper Bones. Yeah. Where she walked in in her house coat. Well, she was in like a bathrobe. She'd just been in the shower or something. And her son, Cam, didn't tell her. That he was recording. Cam Cuff. Cam Cuff. And she has reacted to tons of videos yeah. since. And she breaks rappers, right? And you saw
1: Leora, on the concrete carpet. And actually, we have a clip right now of you, Leora, talking to no Mama way. Cuff. No way. And you were asking her, what isn't garbage music? Uh. What isn't garbage music? <laughs>
0: Don't tell my heart, my achy breaky heart. Yeah, I mean, I liked him, but you know, I wasn't like, you know, over the top Billy Ray fan, but yeah, it was good, it was good, I, I liked it. Yep. Okay, but what else, like what
2: wasn't garbage music back in Oh, day? oh man,
0: Led Zeppelin, uh Turner Overdrive, uh, Leonard Skinner, um, Fleetwood Mac, uh, uh, The Gap Band, <laughs> Uh golly, I'm trying to think off, off the cuff, but I loved all of those. Love them.
2: Million subs.
0: Yeah, this guy is a genius.
2: Camcuff Cam Cam Cam. and
1: MamaCuff yeah, that's me. MamaCuff, backstage, and Camcuff at the Miami Rolling Loud Festival.
2: It's an artwork of human serviette with special guest host. LK, we are coincidence. I was just going to say that that list of bands that Mamakoff just referenced that weren't garbage, I think that's the exact same lineup that was supposed to play at the Roxodus Festival this weekend in Ontario. You know about the Roxodus Festival? AKA the Hashfest, right? Yeah, or Canada's Fire Festival. I think like it had it had Leonard Skinner, it had Aerosmith, it had Cheap Trick, it had like all everybody and it got canceled like a week before it was supposed to happen.
1: But it was so amazing. Like, all these people that we have kind of only thought about or seen on the internet and suddenly they were backstage on the concrete carpet. There was Chief Keefe over there, right yes. in the corner. As we were waiting Denzel for
2: Denzel Curry. Little Uzi Vert. Little Uzi. That a was, a, Uzi that was vert. the best run-in.
1: Unfortunately... I got my bag stolen because I ran after little Uzi Vert, but I got my bag stolen that all my questions and records that I was going to
2: give play by Cartier. But just what kind of dirtbag kid would steal from Nardwar, the human serviette, who goes all the way to Miami only to serve the youth? We were, you know, you were there on site for 16, 18 hours a day. Serving the youth, on doing the concrete God's carpet. Work, and concrete
1: anybody carpet. could have got these interviews with little Uzi or little Moz X or Young Thug, but people didn't want to wait on the concrete carpet, did they? And it was like a
2: thousand degrees, too.
1: We had actually a trailer to go back to provided by Matt and Sean. Could you explain? There's a lot of explaining here to do. Again, we're talking to Leora Kornfeld about me, Nardwar the Human Serviette, and Leora traveling all the way to Miami, Florida to interview bands at the Rolling Loud Festival. If people want to check out a lot of those interviews, just check out Nardwar.com or type in Nardwar Rolling Loud in YouTube and you can see all the interviews. But when we got back to the trailer, could you explain about waiting many hours in the hot sun but escaping
2: to the trailer and Sean and the trailer? Oh, Sean in the trailer. Sean uh, is the, what was he, the Matt. assistant of Matt. So there's Matt and Tarek, or the two guys who founded Rolling Loud. They've been covered in the Wall Street Journal. They've been covered in Forbes. They've been on the cover of Star magazine. And they're two guys, I would say they're in their late 20s or so. And they had this idea that they were going to be the promoters of the world's biggest hip hop festival. And not only that, that they were going to take it to locations around the world and they actually have done that and like I said they for the Miami show for example and that was the original one in Miami because that's where they live they sell out 70 thousand four hundred dollar tickets in like a half hour and they do this pretty much around the world so it's an absolute phenomenon and they have an assistant named Sean who was just so great to us not only provided us uh with the trailer. But there were also, like, snacks. Wasn't that great, having snacks in the trailer? Let's having... go back again. The people of Rolling Loud decided
1: to give me, Nardwar, the human serviette, his own trailer. The first time ever it's... I had an actual trailer. What would that cost to rent? Because you having real time, you had a trailer. I at, never like, had a
2: oh, I never had a trailer. You never had a trailer. Sloan had a trailer, remember? At Edgefest 98. I think we were in that one together when they were being interviewed for MTV, and we were like, I can't believe Sloan got a trailer. And Sean and Matt provided me with the trailer. It was, and there was also like a fake name they put, like a sign on the trailer so people wouldn't bother you. But then there was a little bit of hijinks around that where some, were they dancers? Some dancers basically tried to squat in our trailer. And they said, I had five minutes. You had five minutes to get out. To GTFO To tell you to get out. To get out. And you're like, what? So I texted Sean. Sean came and. I have never seen anything like this. This is sort of like the dream of every John Hughes teen kind of movie where the guy who has the authority comes over. What did he do? He just basically ripped their the, name, the ripped their name off the door, which they had put there, and they had absolutely no authority to put that on. Just ripped it off, and it was just like, "This is so over." And then, then we were victorious. And then from then on, the trailer
1: was loaded up with snacks and, and water, water and towels, everything. And they had a bed, and we were able <laughs> to actually put some Nardwar branding on the wall, so, so when people took memes. They knew it was a Nardwar meme. Full, called it the full set deck. It was amazing. So thank you so much, Sean and Matt, for, 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 for providing the backstage passes. Uh, can't thank As them well enough. as the trailer. Now, we're here at UBC. We walked to the Nardwar to Human Survey at Radio Show through the
2: old sub. What's mm. going on in the old sub? Where was CITR in the old sub? Well, it was on the second floor of the building. In the old sub, I wasn't sure if that building was getting demolished when in fact it's just been kind of gutted and refurbished. And I have to say it looks really good on the inside. And we went for a walk around there to see where Sub Ballroom used to be, where... I remember all of those gigs that happened there. You know, where Iggy. CITR was. Yeah. Is there Yeah, the Dead Kennedys and, and Iggy and Rankin File. There's a lot left there. And then we went and knocked on a door to see, like, what is actually behind the door where CITR used to be, where it was for something like 40 years. And this guy comes to the door and says, can I help you? And we said, "Ah, yeah, we used to be in the radio club here. And he goes, well, this is a physics lab now. So it's, like a, it's a physics lab. It's been completely gutted. I guess yeah. the
1: windows are still the same, right? Mm-hmm. So, right now, I thought I would play a clip of DJ Sound War, a promo for DJ Sound War. Mm. What was that? That was an event that actually happened. You mentioned, you, what gigs did you see in the sub ballroom?
2: Well, I remember seeing, oh, this was all in the 80s, so it was everybody from Buddy's selfish. <laughs> Buddy Buddy's Selfish. Buddy Selfish. The Dead Kennedys. Dead Kennedys played there a lot. Did he, Bowie play No. When Bowie is playing keyboards with Iggy. That's a good question, but no, I don't think so. Uh, Rank and File, I remember, Images in Vogue. um, Of course, there were a lot of those gigs that you put on with Mudhoney and the Posies and all of those. I remember those. Lydia Lunch. At the Sub Ballroom. Yeah. And we had this event, CITR Presents, the DJ Sound war. Yeah, and that was like a rap battle, and wasn't Brian... The rap battle of bands. And wasn't Brian Weezer one of the organizers of that? He helped put that together. Yeah. Uh, Actually,
1: it was Don Chow in early years. I don't think Brian, for a couple... There was a couple chapters of the rap battle of bands. So
2: Brian was a later chapter, Don was an earlier chapter. Don pioneered. Don Don was the the original. Yeah. Shout out to Don. Shouts to
1: Don. To Don Chow. And so right now, here is a promo from DJ Sound War from CNTR from 1990, and then we're going to go into a Nori interview. Now, who is Nori? Just a little background. What is Nori? We did the interview not at the trailer, but at the hotel. And make some noise. Explain that.
2: Well, you're the one who broke the whole make some noise to me. Nori is... Well, he's got a whole background as a rapper. He's from like he grew up on the Queensbridge estates where Nas grew up, I think. I've taken an Uber through there uh, not that long ago. So he was a rapper. When was that? Like early nineties, uh, late nineties, like like Mob Deep era. Those days around the Mob Deep era, and he's best known now for a podcast called The Drink Champs, and they sit around and drink. And what do they do? They interview other rappers. What else did they do? Rick Ross, they yeah. interview Puff yeah. Daddy, all sorts of people. And he also
1: has a show on Revolt, because I guess Puff Daddy owns Revolt. So it's a TV show as well as, as a podcast. And he's got a whole posse. And he actually came to the hotel that we were staying at. With his posse. And I did an interview in the actual hotel. Yes.
2: And it was amazing lighting, Sanctioned too. by the hotel. The so hotel air condition too. Air-conditioned, and, and the hotel was very, very... Uh, Happy to help us. So, right now, here is
1: an interview with Nori from Rolling Loud. He wasn't actually playing Rolling Loud, but he was around there. And also his good friend DJ EFN as well. Not effing. Not effing. And before that, just a quick promo of DJ Soundmore from 1990. What do you remember? Actually, just now that I've said
2: what was it? What do you remember about going to DJ Soundmore 1990? That's pretty old school. I remember MC Terror T, straight out of Richmond, one of the greatest uh, young female rappers ever, and she was way ahead of her time. Really, really talented. And DJ Sound War was also the first time I remember, because there were people coming, people came up, crews came up from the States, they came up from Vancouver Island, from all these different places. But it's the first time I remember people referring to a location by the area code. And I remember somebody saying, okay, this next crew is coming up from the 206. I was like, what? Because 206 is the area code of Seattle. That's the first time I ever heard that. And it was pretty amazing too that DJ SoundWar had
1: as a winner MC T. She was the best rapper, and she
2: deserved and it. And she
1: competed all sorts of with all sorts of people. I think Greg B. Funk Daddy was one of the people that competed in that. And I think he later did beats for like Tupac. Yes, it's that er- that early, incredible. And like E Forty, etc. Like it- 1990, humble 1990. origins. Humble so, here right now is a promo for DJ Soundmore, then an interview with Nori on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show with special guest DJ. LK. Okay.
0: You look a dirty face, Soundboy! DITR FM
1: 101.9 presents chapter one of its annual rap competition, DJ Sound
0: Wars. September 8th. At the Sub Ballroom at UBC. Yeah, you gotta be there, man. Join guest EQ and CITR's search for the top MCs, DJs, dancers, and crews in the lower
1: mainland and Pacific Northwest. Uh-huh. Bust that groove! That's DJ Sound Wars Chapter 1.
0: September 8th. At the Sub Ballroom. sound wars was first prize by profile studios and guest eq
1: two turntables
0: call 228-3017 for more info That's presented 228-3017. by 3017 c-i-t-r come selector. yeah
3: who are you um n-o-r-e nori <laughs> make some noise
1: make some noise <laughs> from Miami, Florida, but via Queens.
3: Yes, yes, I'm from Queens, from Queens, New York, Left City.
1: Right off the bat, Nori, I have a gift for you, a granddaddy, IU oh, record.
3: Oh, damn, you know your shit. <laughs> what
1: can you say to the people?
3: Is this the album or this is the single? This is the single. Oh, okay. What can you
1: say to the people about Granddaddy IU and Nori?
3: This is my favorite MC, man. Um, He—he—it's he, a single-handedly one line that changed my life. Um, when I heard him say he said, I knew a girl named Kenya from West Virginia. Boy, would I like to stick something in her. And from that moment on, I wanted to be like him. I wanted to be an MC. So this is this for me?
0: That's for you. Oh,
3: okay. To keep. Yes, yes, yes. I'm framing that. You know his shit. I, I already know. When you see a Narwhal interview, you already know.
1: Apartment 5E.
3: God damn it, that's right. Yeah, uh-huh. John on the second floor. Oh, John on the second floor. Okay, yeah, 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 yep. Yep, yep. Money bags on the 14th floor. On the 14th floor, god damn it, yes. That's a fact. That is a fact. That is a fact. You're right. You're correct.
1: No, Nori, you are from Queens. Yes. Can you help me out understanding this person right here from Queens, Sweet Tea. Oh, sweet tea. okay.
3: What can you say about Sweet Tea from Queens? Sweet Tea, she was, she was hard. She's a little above, um, before my era, like when she came out, she's in the 80s, right? Yeah, it's '88 and stuff like that. I was born in '77, so uh, it's a little bit before my time. But yeah, definitely, she's a um, Queens legend. Yeah.
1: Who else do we have in the house right now,
3: Nori? I have bought, uh, DJ EFN Actually, bought me. I'm with him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And who else is in the house right yeah, now with you? That's my boy Boris and my boy Piznar. You know what I mean? And right. you are Nor? And I'm N-O-R-E, man. Yes. Yes.
1: Did Biggie and Jay take your girl at Club Esso?
3: No, that is that that is for <laughs> Biggie and Jay did take my friends' girls. My friend, uh, my friend Wap. Um, I can remember this like it was yesterday. I remember him just him, him uh, and I forget who he was with, and I just I, I could just remember um, you know them just like being the flossiest dudes, and I just remember Jay and and um Big walking in, and no one had a chance, so their girls left with Jay and Big. That is a fact.
1: The Uptown Comedy Club on first.
3: Yes, my very first show I ever had. This motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, the very first show I ever had was the Uptown Comedy Club. Yeah, it was probably the most terrible show I ever had as well, too. Pamela Anderson. Yeah, that was the only white girl I was ever, like, really into. Yes, it's just. He's uh, still. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I've been scarred since I seen the sex tape. I was like, nah, Pamela Anderson. She's she's nah, no more. But I used to like her. Yeah, yeah.
1: But you are Nori, and Big L said you changed the game. Big L said you
3: changed the game. You know what's crazy? I never saw that Big L footage to, until he passed. So for me to see that, it was crazy because I never knew he felt like that. But you're right. He did say Nori changed the game. Nori showed me how to, like, maintain in the game. And I had no idea. Like, the crazy shit is, like I said, that footage would have So I, I wish I would have saw that footage when he was alive so I could tell him how much I appreciated a compliment like that coming from him. But, yeah, he did say that. So, yo, Big Al, thank you, man, for even recognizing, you know, because I don't expect to be recognized. So. Yeah, but that's 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 a fact. You're right.
1: Now, speaking of Pamela Anderson, Lior gave you one hundred thousand dollars for your wedding.
3: Yes, that's my my first wedding. Uh, um, uh, I had actually lost weight because. Um, I was like 300 pounds, and he, he, and I- What happened? I just lost weight. Lean? Uh, yeah, <laughs> lean, yeah, I never, I did lean once, but let me get back to that. I did lean once, twice I did lean. You were
1: an early adopter of lean, <laughs> weren't you?
3: In the studio. You know why? Um, a Boiler MJG, um, uh, uh, was the first people, they wasn't even calling it lean, they was calling it scissor or something like that. Yeah, but um, yeah, Leo Cones did give me a hundred grand because he he did, didn't think I could do it, and um, I wound up doing it, yep.
1: And you also met Oprah in Hawaii?
3: Well, I didn't meet Oprah. what's
1: was that like? Nori versus Oprah.
3: Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I didn't... Make some noise! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, here's the deal, right? I didn't meet Oprah. This is what happened. I uh, had a suite in Hawaii, and the, pe- the people kept calling me and saying, Yo, you know... um You know, people upstairs are complaining about the smoke. So I was like, well, how much more did they pay for their room than mine? And they was like, they paid the same amount of price. So I was like, fuck them. So come to find out, the person who they was talking about was Oprah. And that was just amazing. Like, uh, I didn't get to see her, but I didn't get to meet her. But I knew the person staying upstairs for me was Oprah. So that was dope. Yeah.
1: Speaking of noise and drink champs, let's bring over EFN right now. Who is EFN?
3: Who is EFN? EFN is a world famous Miami uh, legend, mixtape legend, uh, DJ legend. And we come together and we, got a, a, we form a phenomenal duo called the Drink Champs. We're having fun doing it. we make making and closing new deals. And he's, he's, when I think of EFN, I think of the purest form of hip hop. Like I still to this day won't see him DJ because he don't like that Serato shit. He wants to do vinyl. He still wants to carry crates. He's the purest form of hip hop. He's and shit, But that's what makes him dope, you know what I'm saying? So that's what I think of when I think of EFN.
1: And EFN, what can you say about Nori?
0: This guy is a legend. He was a legend when I met him. He's a legend to this day. He's one of the most creative motherfuckers I know, one of the funniest motherfuckers. He should be a comedian on his own. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, you know, I wouldn't want any other
3: partner in Drink Champs than with him.
1: I have a gift for you right here, 1241, which is Karis ones first appearance ever on
3: Wax. For me? That's for you, a gift for you? No, I love this.
0: <laughs> this is dope. With
1: Scott LaRock. Records, you know.
3: On Boogie Down Exactly.
1: Yeah. This is his first appearance on Wax, 1241.
0: This is dope. This is dope. Very dope. Thank you very much.
1: But you are quite uh, accommodating to having legends in your car. Like, Exhibit was in your car.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Actually, uh, Hoodstock was a, a concert out here. This is before Rolling Louds or anything was coming to Miami. We had Hoodstock, and Exhibit, you know, he couldn't find it because it was in the hood. So we took him there, and he jumped in the truck of my Pathfinder.
1: You're edited out of an OJ picture? Yeah, man.
3: Either I'm edited out or I was high and I don't smoke, so I don't know. I, yeah, I was edited out of the picture. What happened there? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I definitely didn't take the picture. I was in the picture with OJ. Um, it was crazy. We was in Fort Myers, I believe. Fort Myers and OJ was posting. And we didn't hosting. we didn't know he was hosting until we actually got there. And when we got there, I remember Def Jam, because they had, like, insurance on me or something. They were flipping. They were like, what are you doing? You can't stand next to O.J. And so we were really, like, literally scared to stand next to O.J. on stage when it's crazy because it was the exact opposite. As soon as he came out, uh, you would think, like, the white people would throw – soda cans at him but the white people went crazy they loved the juice so I was I was like I, you know what I mean but I was scared I ain't gonna lie the whole time I was like this like standing next to OJ until the crowd you know showed him love and then I was like oh okay and then the juice did invite me to go golfing with him the next day and I did all right.
1: And what happened on the internet?
3: Well, everyone went crazy because, you know, we... um They saw a picture. They saw a picture of, of us in the juice. You know, and and it,
1: unfortunately...
0: I got edited out of the picture. They cropped me out. What happened there?
3: I have no idea. I have no, I, no idea. But it was it was fun, me and OJ. And we, we kept playing with him. We was like, yo, murder unit. And he was like, word. Yeah. <laughs> and murder it was like... Murder unit. And it was like, yeah.
1: So, oh, dude, that was funny. A lot of people call you DJ Effin. Terrible.
0: Yeah. Terrible. Yeah.
1: You he heard EFN described as effing.
3: Yeah, yeah. i uh, I went through a whole uh conversation with somebody one time and he kept saying he kept saying effing and I had had no idea who he was talking about. I thought he was talking about the vodka and I just kept talking and I didn't realize at the end of the conversation, I was like, Oh, you're saying EFN. You used say he said, like, Oh yeah, my bad. I always say effing and I was like, So yeah, yeah, people mess his name up all the time. And thank you, Godfrey. Uh-huh, yeah, Godfrey. That was the guy who uh
0: Broadcast to so CBS, right? Oh, Godfrey, yeah, 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 for sure, Gamer Tag Radio, yeah, I just didn't think that he would bust out with Godfrey's name. Yeah, God,
1: Godfrey. If EFN fall asleep ever? <laughs> no, no, no. On any interviews, come on, on any interviews, has no, Nori
3: no. ever fallen One he did fall asleep, I've fall um, wow. never fallen asleep, hazardous sounds falls asleep. Yeah, you're right, but on one, I forgot, Which one was, you, um, was it the PD cracker one? No, I, oh, I left, yeah, I left and went to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Eddie the Ass Eater? Eddie the Ass Eater, <laughs> that's, that is our boy. Uh, Eddie the Ass Eater, he falls <laughs> asleep. No, <laughs> he he's, on that ass. <laughs> i seen Eddie fall asleep standing up, so he's, like, a different, like, he's a different dude. Like, the only person I've seen that's worse than Eddie is a guy named Leroy from Left Rack, and Leroy used to, he fell asleep on the basketball court standing up. I had never seen nothing like this. I'm talking about a loud, noisy-ass basketball court, full court, too. Like, you know, in the hood, too, like, oh, oh all that shit, and he stood there and fell asleep. I said, this guy's the worst. Good balance. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess you could say that.
1: Well, thank you FN, and doot doot Do do did Chaz cause L A L A?
3: Okay, yes. Um, um, what it is is how we just how L A L A was discovered was Chaz was on something called a DJ list, and then back in the days, you remember before the bootleggers, DJs used to get the records two months in advance. So what happened was that's the reason why when um um New York New York record came out, we had L A L A the same like the same exact day is because he, he so he had what was called a DJ list. So he, when I woke up in the morning headed to Stretch Armstrong Studio, he played me uh, what, what was soon to be New York, New York. So he, so he asked me, you think that they diss in New York? So I couldn't tell. We left, we went to Stretch Armstrong Studio, Mob Deep, and Tragedy later uh, went there. I forget if we, were, I went to Queensbridge and we all went together. But anyway, we all winded up there and I did the same thing Chaz did to me. I said to Mob Deep and Tragedy, And um, Stretch Armstrong, I said, I played, um, I asked Stretch Armstrong, did he have, was he on the DJ list? Obviously, he was Stretch Armstrong. So, of course, he was. And we played New York, New York, and that's when we made the decision that we was going to make the response. And if you notice, none of us actually dissed L.A. on that record because we didn't know if they was dissing us or not. Because the, 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 until Snoop kicked down the buildings, that's when our video became, uh-uh-uh. But if you look at it, other than Prodigy saying JFK on our way to L.A., we didn't even mention L.A. at all. If you listen to that first version of L.A. L.A., the only thing that we, why you think that we dissed them was because on the video, we wanted to respond to Snoop kicking down the buildings. So, yes, Chaz was the very first person. You know, I was long-winded, but you are absolutely correct.
1: And Stretch Armstrong's parents paid for the record?
3: Yeah, Stretch Armstrong, from what I heard, I was was just the artist at the time. Um, They wanted to white-label it, and they wanted to get it out there. And uh, so Stretch Armstrong's parents, I guess he went to his parents for a loan or something, and they they said yeah. And they, I don't understand because you know Stretch is a you know he's an older white guy, so he's going to his parents talking about you know I want to make an investment, and they're probably like in what? And they're like in, it is a group called Capone and Noriega. I could imagine how awkward that conversation was. <laughs> but yo, big him up, big up the Stretch parents. We still owe you. Uh, be, uh, thank you for uh, doing that, and big up the Stretch for you know uh, uh, for even having that foresight. So yep.
1: This record responds to the Tim Dog era, and this record actually is Fuck the South Bronx. This is Compton by Tweety Bird Locke in 1992.
3: Wow, yeah, I've heard of this. I've never actually seen it. Sure spitting on you. Yeah, 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 you definitely were. I got you, though. <laughs> I got you, though. It happens, man. This, you're worth it, all right? God damn it. Thank you. Right. But But, um, yeah, I've heard of No diseases. I've heard of this, but um, I've never... What was that era like? Because you followed that era, but what
1: was the fuck the South Bronx, this is Compton I've era?
3: Of I've never heard this.
1: What was that feeling like in Queens during that time?
3: It hurts. It still hurts. I mean, um... Yeah, I mean at the same token, Queens and the Bronx was warring with each other too. Remember the famous K R S one MC Shan. But I've heard about this. I've never actually knew this this exists. I just heard that. Because uh, Tim Dog, like you said, Tim Dog Rest in peace. Rest in peace, Tim Dog made a record for Compton, correct? Yes, yes. for Compton. And, um, and fuck the South Bronx. This is Compton. And then yeah, and then they came back and they, they so this is this is interesting. I've never heard um, I've never um actually heard the record. I've heard of it, but I've never heard the record.
1: Make some noise
3: <laughs> <laughs> Yep, yep, yep.
1: Nori, you could not afford Nas for the war report?
3: Um well that's what we was told. We were told because Nas did have a verse. Um we had uh you know that, that's an easy way to, to look at it to to, to look to be positive. Um, well, a lot of people don't know Buster Rhymes was on the War Report as well. Uh, Fat Joe never sent his verse in, um, but yeah, uh, they I believe they wanted hundred grand or or he just didn't want to be on a record. I, I can't remember, but um, we couldn't we couldn't we could not afford that hundred grand.
1: What about that rumor that you couldn't go into the studio unless you had shot someone?
3: Oh dear, that's definitely a rumor. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely a rumor. I would love to go to the studio. Um, the studio was best, in, basically my way of getting getting away from you know the 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 obstacles and the the stuff of being in the hood. So I would love to be in the hood, but you, I mean, what you're trying to say is, like at a, at a time I had to go through a lot. I had to go through things for me to write rhymes. Like I would actually have to go through, um, you know, trials and tribulations. So that's what you're you're, you're alluding to.
1: What's the importance of a Kodak jar?
3: A Kodak jaw? Oh, I don't know. Oh, you talking about? Oh, back in the days, that's what we used to sell crack in. Actually, that's uh, that's how I met Sherm the Worm. Was um, he used to come? He used to come in uh, left rack, and he had the he had the big ass uh, like dimes. So we used to take those dimes and break it down, and we'll put it in the Kodak jaw. So I thought you was meant Kodak black. So I saw him the other day, and shit, it was very weird. Right. Why? Uh, it's just, it was. I don't think our energy mix. I don't think, I, th- I think he's... Was
1: that the first time you've seen him?
3: Yeah, that was the first time i seen him.
1: Did he know about Noriega?
3: Um, I definitely didn't introduce myself. I just said, you know, um, I want my son to take a picture. He took the picture and I just basically w- walked out of there, you know? How old is your son? Uh, He is 10. 10 years old, yep.
1: Nori, have you told your son about the machine guns at the Source Awards?
3: Oh, well... Well, 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 no, I have not. You know, to answer your question, and it was—it wasn't me who had the machine guns at the Source Awards. It was who had the machine guns at the Source Awards.
1: Capone and AK forty-seven.
3: Well, it was actually C Murder. It was actually C Murder from. Um, he's the one who gave it to us. So, uh, yes, yeah, C Murder was 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 a real, real, real person. Yeah. Nori,
1: what is a cocker spaniel?
3: Well, back in the days, uh, we used to uh, what we were doing was we was naming our guns after dogs because the police was always on us. So we would uh, a, a, a pit bull would be a nine, a four or five would be a rock So a cocker spaniel would be a deuce deuce. It would be a small dog. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's why I said Neptunes. I got a cocker spaniel because I was talking about a gun actually. I was talking about a small gun.
1: Do you still use air freshener.
3: Uh, yeah, I love air freshener. I'm a big candle guy. Air freshener, uh, um, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Labrador, all that shit. I'm into all that. I like, I like, I like all that shit. Yeah. You were a- I got, you know what I'm saying? Oh, Th- this is Creed though. You
1: were also a pimp for a
3: week. I was. It was something like a pimp for a week. Yes. Um, which I realized I did not like. I didn't like it at all. First off, but um, you know, I was watching these pimp movies, and then Bishop Don Juan had invited me to a uh, players ball, and I went one year then uh I, I didn't then the next year I went and I really got into it I really actually dressed up and i um and i did it i remember um like I didn't think I was gonna be successful, so it was one person. I was just like, "Yo, um, you, um, you should choose. You should choose like how the pimps do." And and then she said, "Yeah." And then I, I had nothing. to do, I didn't know what to do, so I had to give it to another pimp. But it was definitely not me. But yeah, for a week I tried to be a pimp. What did
1: you look like exactly?
3: I was wearing a lot of blue for some reason. For some reason, I was wearing a lot of sky blue, and yeah, it was it was. It was terrible. It was a bad decision. But, you know, again, it was me watching and, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, watching the American Pimps and, you know, those movies at the time. So it was just, I just something I tried. I, I tremendously failed at it. it was, I wasn't good at it at all
1: vinnie's pizzeria
3: yes Vinny's pizzeria they people don't eat there now i'm I'm disappointed um i go to the hood and i I went and ordered a slice and everyone told me not to they said that that, you know i don't know what's what's going on but i still i still grew up on vinnie's and uh, hopefully vinnie come back and take it over i I guess he sold it but um yeah that's something i grew up on six brothers uh, king rogers so uh, that's something I definitely grew up on.
1: Stop one deli.
3: Stop one deli. Yeah, I still would like a, a a sandwich from there. I gotta say a sandwich with a G sandwich. You know. Are you a vegetarian now? Hell no. I was a, a vegetarian. I went. Uh, I was vegan actually for like six months to like a year and then I stopped again. I did. I did another year. Uh, right now I'm a whole month of May I'm on my pescatarian stuff I'm only eating fish but you know here and there I love the vegetarian lifestyle I love what it represents
1: Nori winding up here did you invent slime?
3: Well I definitely did not invent the actual word slime but I was the first one in hip hop to ever use the word slime as people are using it now calling your your boy slime and calling them. I wanted to stop using the n word I wanted to I wanted a different word so i started to use slime. Um and now everyone thinks that Little Wayne invented it, they think Vado invented it, they think Young Thug invented it. They think everyone invented it but me. I'm the first person on the record. I think you go back to 2001 or 2004. It's one of those years where Capone and Noriega where we say it on the album, the reunion album, where we say the slime. So, you know, I I, I look at my timeline and I see these kids arguing about who made it up and I watch, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm like an idiot. So I watch and I see these guys and and people will give it to Young Thug and I'll be laughing and they'll give it to Votto and they'll even give it to Lil Wayne and there's very few people who know that that was me. And, you know, so, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not clout chasing. So the people who know, they know. If they don't know, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Hopefully they'll see it on here. You know what I mean? Doot, do doot, doot. Do.
1: Winding up here, Nori, anything else you want to add to the people out there at all?
3: I want to add that you're one of the dopest interview people. Your energy is, I'm so glad that your energy is like this in real life. I I, I watch all your interviews. I watch how you amaze people. You're. I'm amazed that you know all the stuff about me as well. And I'm just telling you, you do a great job. I've been starving to be on here. Uh, thanks for EFN for hooking this up. And I want to say you're a legend, my guy. We need you on Drink Champs. Do you ever get interviewed? Well,
1: I would first like to say thank you for the shout out all right, all right. on Hot
3: Wings. Oh, okay. That's right. Oh, that's right. I did shout you out, bro. I've been recognizing your gangster for some time. Yeah,
1: thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Make some noise. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Even my wife knew who you were. I was like, yo, I was Narwhal," an and, and yeah, so, yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, man. Thanks for the kind words. Yes, you're a legend, man, and I love the fact that you dig deep in hip-hop, and, you know, um, this is a very unique show that you do, and I hope that all these artists that come on here uh, respect where you come from because you got to dig deep to know this information. Like, just, you, you, you sent some information that I had to think, think, like, back to third grade and shit, so I love this, you know what I mean? Definitely. Thank you, man, for having me. Uh, hot wings,
1: hot ones. I love that.
3: Yes, yeah, hot ones. I guess
1: it's hard to know what the name is when you're eating those
3: wings. Yeah, man. That was, uh, that was a bad day for me the next day. Because I, I did hot ones with uh, Tiger Bone to, to try to numb the taste. And it did numb, it did numb the taste. It did numb is that a secret? No, I mean it was. Pine. It was worse because I woke up the next day and I was just shitting hot shit and tiger bone at the same time, (laughs) and it was just like it was. It did get me through the interview though. The interview I got through, I, I actually survived, but. The next day, the repercussions of it was not worth it. I was texting Sean Evans like, "You motherfucker!" He was like, "Yo, Nori, what are you talking about?" I was like, "I'm just mad at you. Like my my asshole was mad at you. you know, I'm sorry, that came off wrong." But uh, <laughs> Eddie, I see eater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. So um, definitely, man. Don't don't do it with the uh um uh, with the tiger bone when you do hot ones, man. And you do it, man. But, but once again, man, thank you for having oh, me. Man.
1: Well, thank you, Nori. Why should people care about Nori and drink champs?
3: Well, if you want to, similar to like the, the credit we just gave you, if you want to know about hip-hop, you want to know about it in a, in, a, in a dope way, like, you know, I always would go to, to class if the teacher was, you know, with some type of excitement or some, something that I could relate to. I would never go to a class if I can't relate to. So if you love hip-hop and this is something that you, 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 you want to base your, 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 your life on, then that's when you, you come in and drink, Chance, because we're going to come in, we're going to teach you something, we're going to tell you something about your favorite artists, and not only that, you're going to see us act stupid and get drunk. You see in the daytime this is me in the daytime and at nighttime me and EFN is on a totally different wave but in the daytime we, this is balanced, level spelled backwards is level which means that sometimes you just gotta you know, get that good water in you but in at nighttime you party and this is what Drink Champs is, you know what I'm saying? A balance you know what I mean? And we give you the, the dopest people in hip hop, we give you legends, we don't interview new people not because we don't like them, it's because we don't feel that they have a story yet. You have to be in this business for at least 10 years or more and have credibility and not be no rat or no c- clown or no, you know what I mean, clout chaser because we want to respect our legends while they're here and they're alive and that's why if you ever want to know about Nori or Drink Chaps, that's why. If you ever want to know about Nori, one of the most creative artists one of the dudes who discovered some of the dopest producers out there and still discovering them and that's what it is. So tune in motherfuckers.
1: Well thanks for my... T-
3: well, I, felt, I felt it. I felt it. Like saying that one. That was hard. That was good. Good.
1: Well, thanks so much, Nori. Keep on rocking in the free world and do do loot
3: do. Do do. And yeah. listen, y'all got this looking like the hood. <laughs> this look like the hood right now. <laughs> He's a legend, man. He's going to stay here for 30 minutes. 30, 30, He's a legend, 30, man. man.
1: Hopefully, to the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show with special guest DJ. DJ LK. We just heard right there the plodes with. I Hate Music, and the Plodes are actually playing tomorrow night as part of Vancouver Psych Presents the East Van Garage Fest, a celebration of East Van culture with 14 bands, including the Plodes. And that was I Hate Music, also Kylie V, Mecha Normal, Tim the Mute, and many more. Tomorrow, Vancouver Psych Presents the East Van Garage Fest.
2: And before that, an interview with... Nori. But wait, where's the East Van Garage Fest? Where's that happening? At the Wise Hall. The Wise Hall. The Wise Hall, which stands for... I don't know. The Welsh Ireland SE. Oh, okay. Scotland, England. I know what the ANZA Club stands for, but now I know what the... I I know what the Wise Hall, it was always W dot I dot S dot E, but I never... Oh, maybe it wasn't.
1: Wales... Ireland, Scotland, Scotland and England. England. Mm-hmm. Wise Hall. Do you think that could be? It could be. It could be. And that band, you can catch tomorrow night at the Wise Hall. And before that, we hear an interview from Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida. With Nor... Nori. Nori- Norie.
2: Noriega. And
1: what was the name of his rap crew? Capone and Noriega. Capone and Noriega. And he also did a reggaeton song. He did? Yes, he ventured into reggaeton. When? As well. Probably like, um, I think like, mm, probably like 1999. Very early. And that ties into what is the history of reggaeton? Because a lot of reggae music, a lot of reggaeton kind of is in the southern part of the United States.
2: Well, reggaeton and reggae are two very, very different things. I mean, reggaeton, I would hear that a lot. You hear that in places like um, Puerto Rico. You hear it in Cuba. You hear it in those types of places. That's what you were trying to get at, right? You were trying to get me to say Cuba, weren't you? I was, because we
1: solved the case. The case is closed. We Could think, you explain, Leora?
2: Well, first of all, I think you need to say a few words about the past, oh, I don't know, 30 years or so of your life that you dedicated to interrogating some of the questionable uh, statements put forward around the Kennedy assassination. Well, I hate
1: experts. I hate experts. Like
2: when I interview somebody, I like the person
1: to have been at the event. And I hate to be an expert. Oh, Nardwar, could you be on a panel discussing... Well, if I know the actual event, if I know the person, no problem. But if it's kind of conjecture... I won't do it. But I love the fact that we co-closed the case but what, on the didn't... Kennedy okay. assassination. For years, I've talked to not necessarily witnesses, but experts. I love the experts, but here- You just said we... you hate experts. Well, I hate experts in being an expert myself. If the expert is truly an expert, then I have no problem with the experts. But I am no expert on anything, At all. However, we did actually meet not really
2: an expert, but an actual witness to an assassination. No, he wasn't a witness to the... No, he was not a witness to the assassination. This was a guy who fought in the Bay of Pigs. And we came across him because we were looking for Chunk in Miami. Yeah, because he ran or runs an antique store. I think it's called Andreas's Antiques, but... That, was an, that wasn't just an antique shop. That thing was like a museum, and it just went on and on and, and on. And you were on
1: fire there, Leora. I was? You were saying, this guy, this guy is an actual witness to JFK assassination. I never and, said that. And you also said, can you get Trump on the line right now?
2: And he said, I could. Well, because he started talking to us, um, and and then he was showing all these these pictures of him with, like, George Bush Sr., then he pulled this, some type of membership card, remember, out of his wallet that had Trump's signature on it, and then he had something else. But anyways, all the Republican presidents, he seemed to be in tight with them. He had a lot of uh, certificates with signatures, a lot of photos of him uh, shaking hands with people, but he also um, fought in the Bay of Pigs, and he was no fan of uh, Fidel Castro. I didn't know any of this because you were
1: providing a translation. You were actually providing a real-time translation and sweating at that. Oh, in Spanish, because he was, okay,
2: he... Yes, we were. Speaking. So, for all I know, he was witness to the assassination. No, but really, what happened was he fought in the Bay of Pigs. He then was uh, incarcerated for eighteen months, and I think that, as you can imagine, was a very uh, traumatic part of his life. Uh, and then I asked him about Oswald because I think, you know, that was on all of our minds. We wanted to know: here is this guy who was around, and and. He was anti Castro and he was very vocal about how anti Castro he was. So I just thought this is a real opportunity to ask this guy, you know, what his thoughts are on Oswald. And he just looked at me. He gave me this very, very somber look and he just squeezed his eyes together and he said, Oswald era loco. You know what that means? Translation? Oswald was effing nuts.
1: Did you ever think when you learned Spanish, Leora, that you would
2: translate a JFK assassination researcher witness in real time to you? And you could hardly concentrate. I mean, as much as you loved the Oswald talk, you could hardly concentrate because you were staring at no, no, you were staring at this uh, like an orange calico cat that had been taxidermied and it was all curled up. Can you please talk about that? It was an
1: amazing junk shop that he had. Like, he had the yellow balloon featuring John, Don Grady, a seven-inch. Like, Don s- Grady from My Three Sons. Yeah, yeah. It, This throne, it was like in this gi- a giant junk shop, and there also was uh, an amazing taxidermic cat lying there. Curled I, up, though, in I, a And a little it was very furry, yeah. and I wanted to take it back, but I don't think I'll be able to um, declare it at the border. But it was an amazing junk shop. Like a whole bunch of like, stacks. of everything.
2: It was completely packed. And then all of that George Bush stuff, right? The tons of, when he took us into his office area and he showed all the backstage stuff that we saw. And you
1: somehow centered a conversation around JFK, which is amazing. And he was more than happy to reveal that.
2: Right. So I asked him about Oswald and I asked him who he thought did the deed. And he said that he's pretty much 99% certain. Are you ready for this? Anti-Castro Cubans. Case closed.
1: And only perhaps
2: airline back are allowed to
1: talk about this, Leora. You better not talk about that. But we actually, uh, who are we? Who are we speaking to right now?
2: Oh, uh, well, I used to do a radio show in this slot in the nineteen eighties. My name's Leora. It's great to be back. I'm here just for a, a couple of days. I haven't lived in the city for like a dozen years, but uh, work project brought me back here, so I'm happy to be back. And if I'm ever in town and I can pop into the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show, I'm more than happy to do so. And Leora, I actually have
1: a gift for you,
2: for you coming to CNTR Radio wow. and dropping in. Maybe
1: you could describe to the people what is happening right there. Well, this is a gift for you. What is happening right now?
2: Well, this is a, a do-, 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 do Oh, I know what this is now. Wow. This is I think I had. Is this the actual shirt that I wore? Let me see. This is a this is a Rocktober 1980 shirt. Now, I may have actually worn this. Did I give this to you, and now you're giving it back to me?
1: No, From, because I got that independently. If you notice the stain on the top, which you can probably oh, there's a get out bit of there. A
2: stain. So this is Kelly's Rocktober 1980. Well, I worked at Kelly's in 1980, and then on the back. They've got it's the a
1: Sea Fox logo as well.
2: Seafox Fox logo, which is very very interesting, um, and it's also the Sea Fox when the when the fox was stoned. There was a later version of the fox where he didn't have the stoned eyes. Can you see that? So this is the. F- the Stone Fox. But and could you l-
1: describe what's on the
2: back oh, of this, the shirt? It, I, I was at a number of these shows. Wow. this So Psychedelic Furs with Bibi Gabor at the Commodore Ballroom. Some of you may have attended that. Bibi Gabor, rest in peace. Uh, sadly, he's no longer with us. I remember you did interview, uh, was it Richard Butler from the Psychedelic Furs? That was a really good interview. Johnny Winter at the Commodore Ballroom. I think I have some friends, some guitar player friends who went to that. Then the B-52s at the Peony Gardens. This is all in one month, October, October, 1980. Now, what
1: I was curious about was the Peony Gardens versus the Peony Forum versus the Agridome. I, uh, I can't even remember. Do you? No, I just was curious if you went to gigs in those little yeah, locations. Yeah, but I,
2: I— can't even remember the differences then dire straits at the commodore ballroom steve hackett he used to be in genesis right that was at the commodore the police and xtc at the coliseum concert bowl and i'm very sad to say i did not attend that i should have attended that and i did not but what a month that's not even a month that's in a two-week period that started october 13th and it ended october 27th who gave you the shirt
1: You are Laura Cornfield. We have to have this.
2: this. Well, that is
1: for you. But what I was curious about was Kelly's and Seafox,
2: their logo is on there. Did Seafox play any of the bands that you mentioned there? I would say they played uh, Johnny Winter, Dire Straits, and they played The Police. But they certainly did not play the Psychedelic Furs or the B 52s or XDC. Well, Maybe at one point they played Making Plans for Nigel, but doubtful. And you did the night shift at the Fox so you would know? I was an operator. I was a button pusher from 2 to 6 a.m. For who? Oh, whoever was on the voice track. They had these things called voice tracks where the operator would announce what was coming up and what was played. And that was on a a reel-to-reel tape. And then we had to plug the music in live in between. So it was always somebody different.
1: So you know about the music of the Fox.
2: I queued it up many times.
1: And on the back also, there's a Kelly's logo. Now, Kelly's, what was Kelly's?
2: It was a record store, right? It was a chain of record stores. Uh, Danny Filippone used to work there, the guy who runs the penthouse, uh, the guy who was immortalized in Aaron Chapman's book called Liquor, Lust, Lust, and and the Law. As well as Martin Strong and your friend from England. Oh, my friend from England who worked at Kelly's. Should we give her a shout out? Shout out to Anne Devonport. Yes, we worked together at Kelly's during this very October, Rocktober, nineteen eighty. And there were different locations of Kelly's. Like yes. there was the Oak. What locations were there? There was the Oakridge. Well, there was Oakridge, eight ten Granville. Granville and Robson is the one that I worked at. And there's one that was in Richmond, and if you go onto YouTube, there's this really, really amazing video, which it must have been shot on, like, Super 8 or something. I don't know how you'd find it. Could you search on, like, Richmond Kellys or something like that, where these girls who worked there were running around with the Super 8 camera, and they were interviewing each other and talking about Dwight Twilley and how they had a crush on Dwight Twilley who
1: Mark the Kleins Kleiner he loves, loves. loves. He loves, especially the song Girls by Dwight Twilley. So that is a gift for you, Leora Kornfeld. Thank
2: you. What about the stain? And I'm not
1: giving it back to you. And you would never give me something with a stain. So we know that I got that independently. But yeah, I thought maybe if it doesn't fit you exactly, you could wear it as pajamas.
2: Thank you very, very much. Because
1: uh, it's hard to buy. It's hard to... is. Would that fit you? It would, but yeah. Let's just say yes. And speaking of gigs, Super Summer Sunday at Emperor Stadium, Nick Gilder and Hart. Why are, there we, was now, some why booing. are we talking about this? There was some booing. The 70s, you know, in the no, 70s. No,
2: no, no, no. Nick Gilder got booed when he played with the cars here. Super Summer Sunday was another gig that he did. Uh, with Hart, because we saw a picture of Nick Gilder and the Wilson sisters from Hart recently. They had a little reunion. But yeah, I think you you got those two events mixed up. I thought he always got booed. That's not nice to say. That's what somebody said in the YouTube comments. Really? Wow, that's really not nice. But he just got into some... Because he played disco. But didn't he just get into some Hall of Fame for Hot Child in the City? He did. He just got... We should for Sweeney Todd. He's an amazing person. Yeah. Shout out to
1: Nick Gilder. And also, you provided me a link and a piece of paper of Dan Aykroyd's apartment for sale in Toronto.
2: Yeah. Now, you're just, we're just randomly going through a list of things just for the heck of it. Dan Aykroyd. in the early 70s, when he was doing Second City, he had this place. I think they paid like 25 bucks a month for it at 505 Queen Street East in Toronto. And he had this buddy from Chicago who would come up on the bus named John, who was John Belushi, who would crash in the front room. And then they had the guys from the Downchild Blues Band come and jam with them after hours. They ran it like an after hours club, a booze can, that type of thing. And that was the, that's the origin story of the Blues Brothers. And that place, 505 Queen Street East. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's where it all started. And it was for sale. The whole place was for sale. um, And there was an open house I happened to be walking by. Did people know? A lot of people uh, didn't necessarily know, but I I went in because there was an open house, and I wanted to see if the realtor knew, too. And he did, and we talked about it, and he showed me the exact place where John Belushi would sleep. So very Because when thrilling. you sell a house, you have to say who died in a house. Well, Belushi didn't die in that house. But still, I, I wanted to correlate it to that. Of course you did, because you love the scandalous stories. But the Russian princess, He
1: also came across her residence in Toronto, didn't you? The Russian princess? Yeah, there was a Russian—the Russian—, uh, the Russian A cousin of one of the Russian um, royalty had a place in Toronto. This is not ringing a bell. I guess what I'm saying is, like, in Toronto, there are quite a few historic sites for sale that you could
2: buy. There are a lot of historic sites. And one of them actually should be, I think, at Cops Coliseum. That's in Hamilton. Right. What about it? Because that's where... Oh, you have a theory that this is where the selfie was invented? Is this this thing? You you maintain that the selfie, which is uh, a media phenomenon, invented of, by Paris Hilton, in, or was it invented at Cops Coliseum in Hamilton in 1998 by 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 by, by, by Chris Murphy E of Slown? It might have been. Could you explain what happened there? Well, he was presenting the Juno for, I can't remember what exactly, to Shania Twain, who I think was like the biggest star in the world in 1998. And when she was was running onto stage after he announced her name, he stood up there with his arms open because he knew, I'm going to get a hug from Shania Twain. It's like he knew that was happening. And then when she finally made it to the stage, he had his little, like, pocket Instamatic camera, which he held out at arm's length, and he turned it on himself, and he took a picture of him with Shania, and thus, possibly, the selfie was born. And is that picture still existing? No, it must. Have you seen it out
1: there? No, but we'll ask Chris. Hamilton, Ontario, Toronto, Ontario... A lot of fascinating stuff. But you, Leora, you're from Vancouver, British Columbia, I am. Canada. I am. You used to do this very slot at CITR. I did. How did CITR fit in the radio scene of the 1980s? Like we're right now doing the show. But how did it, how did CITR fit in? Because CKLG only had 40 slots. Oh, you mean, you're talking about like a top 40? Yeah, like how did CITR versus CKLG, because at that time, CKLG only had
2: 40 slots. Right. Well, I mean, first of all, it was a low-power station, uh, and I think at first we got 49 watts, and it went to 1,800, so you couldn't hear it in that many places But I think the most important thing to remember... You were on cable, though. Yeah, that's true, on cable. And on carrier current in in the engaged residents and stuff like that. The important thing to remember is that there was a very distinct division between the mainstream and the non-mainstream in those days. So anything that wasn't part of the mainstream world of CKLG or CFUN or CFOX or whatever only had one place to go, pretty much. And that was to an outlet like CITR. Like
1: you mentioned like Iggy, The Ramones, The yep. Dead Kennedys, all were at the sub ballroom. Is that
2: cuz the Commodore didn't like punk? I think they weren't big at that point they probably couldn't fill the Commodore because all of those bands eventually did go play the Commodore, but the Commodore is like a thousand people or so and what's the capacity of sub ballroom? Couple hundred? Well, you would know you booked shows there. Well, let's say a 1,000. It's about the same as the Commodore. Okay, then I have well, no theory Well, the Commodore whatsoever. slightly bigger because it could jam them in back then. Then this is not helping my theory
1: at all. What gigs did you see at the Suburban? You mentioned the Dead Kennedys, a whole bunch of stuff, Yeah, all right? those. Yeah, yeah. How did the Scorter fit in in the scene of the 1980s for the magazine scene?
2: Again, it was... It was small, but it, it grew over time. Because it's and amazing. It's still going. It's, it's still going, and it's thick. I just said to you, it's a copy of it sitting here. But it was really, really important because, again, there was no publication to reflect that scene at that time. So it was a really important addition to the mainstream media and even the Georgia Straight. How did Les Turd fit in? They played a lot of frat parties on campus. Les Turd, right? Yes. And you can see him on YouTube? yes.
1: What did he play? He also played on the Vancouver show. What was that? They were in a battle
2: of the bands.
1: With Rob Robson on drums. Yeah,
2: and in fact, the last time I was sitting here with you doing this show, we had... Jim. We had uh, Rob Robson's dad, Jim Robson, broadcasting Hall of Famer. And shout out to Rob Robson and David Bowie. Yeah, he's a, a David Bowie impersonator right now uh, in Europe. But Lay Turd was on YouTube. Less. Yeah, you can look that up on YouTube as well, where they're doing a Jane County song called... Stuck on you. B-Lot, the bus stop. I think we're out of time. We're, we're coming up to the top of the clock here, as we say in radio. The sugar cubes versus the crowns. Okay, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I I know that back, uh, that was a cart that you made. You don't have carts here anymore, do you? But you made a promo um at the height of sugar cube mania, whenever that was, 1988 or something like that, you had had enough. You had heard enough. You didn't want to know anything more about the sugar cubes. You were all about the cramps. And so you did a promo. A promo. And I was like, fuck Iceland. I thought it was screw. I thought it was screw Iceland. Oh, maybe
1: screw Iceland. Yeah. And now, thinking back, I was stupid. I should have interviewed the sheer cubes and Bjork, but we all learn. And thank you very much, Leora, for coming into the Nardwar, thank the you Human for Soviet radio show. Right now, we're going to actually play a promo of me and Lux, Lux doing Lux of the cramps, doing a rest station ID, rest in peace, a station ID for CITR radio. And then a Mudhoney promo, you mentioned about the sub ballroom. A Mudhaddy
2: gig was at the sub ballroom, and I think, were you at that gig? I was at that. Was that the one where the table got broken? I think so. Yeah, and I think you got charged like $50 for that. $50 in 1990, it's a lot more money. And then we are also going to play,
1: also on that gig, were Beat Happening, yes. and Calvin Johnson has a brand new release out there oh, cool. and we're going to play some brand new calvin johnson blues come running and calvin johnson was from beat happening and they were playing with Mudhoney. honey do you remember anything about beat happening at that gig
2: i mean i it was it was all a blur but what i can tell you about those gigs that i remember and you deserve uh so much credit for this that you you brought together all of these people and and all of this music that we we knew was really important it was happening at the time there was this real connection between Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, Olympia, and, you know, you were just getting out there making videos, sort of issuing video challenges to people like Mudhoney, like, hey, come and play a gig. Why not? I'm 22 sober and going nowhere, and you can come and do my gig, and it was just great to see, and it was a whole scene that was emerging. This was before the whole grunge thing took off and exploded, uh, but you were there at Ground Zero. Next week, Beat Happening will be playing. Our uh, Calvin X of Beat Happening will
1: be playing at the Red Gate on Wednesday, the seventeenth, with Cave Girl and Carl Blau. So we are going to hear the Lux promo, a Mud Honey, uh, the Lux ID, a Mud Honey promo, and Calvin Johnson blues come running. And for you, Leora, how can people keep in touch with
2: you? I don't Your know. blog. My blog, yeah. Well, the blog isn't going as strong as it used to be, but I don't know. Google me, uh, come on by, say hello. And were you actually DJing on Radio Sonic that night that
1: Oasis had pennies thrown at them? Well, we were there recording it that night. What happened?
2: People threw shoes or something at the stage. We were there with the recording truck, which cost a, a lot of money to have that set up. And then they walked off the stage. And then the backup band got the headline, basically headlined, and that was Mister
1: Machine. So you, I helped. thought it was Limb Lifter. Oh, maybe it was Limb Lifter. Yeah, but that's pretty amazing. You were actually there. Uh, I was there. Yeah. And were you there also at the Radiohead
2: fight? There was a at fight at the Railway Club. Yeah, yeah, I was there too. What happened there? People were throwing chairs and stuff like that. I'm not exactly sure why it happened, but, you know, I bet you they're feeling pretty stupid now because Radiohead kind of went on to be one of the biggest bands in the world. And finally,
1: lastly, you Uh, were there for the most important moment in Canadian rock and roll history when Spinal Tap played three gigs in one day?
2: They did... uh, no, they did like six gigs in one day, but oh. I wasn't part of that. I went to the Paramount in Seattle to interview them, but I know they did that thing where they took the plane across Canada. So, you always have some of the part, uh, some part of the story right, but not the whole part of the story. Eighty percent, eighty percent.
1: So, what happened there? Six gigs in one day.
2: Yeah, they had a plane and they went from like Newfoundland to Vancouver and did all the gigs. In and one how day. were they in Seattle? They were fantastic. So right now, some Lux Interior, some Mudhoney,
1: and some Calvin Johnson, who is playing next week
2: at the Red Gate. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Leora? Congratulations to you on getting your star on the Walk of Fame, which I walked past last night. It's in front of the Orpheum. Come on, make some noise. It's from the Orpheum on Granville Street. And you're right next to Colin James, so he's taking care of you. You're taking care of him. And just remember... There ain't no party like a West Coast party.
1: Well, thank you very much for the canned words. Thank you for caring, Leora, and do-do-loo-do. Do-do. Actually, I'm Lex Interior of the rock group The... I'm Lex Interior of the rock group The
0: Cramps, and you're listening to CIT.
1: R. 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 FM 102. Both of them. Thank you.